Welcome to a midweek, but the last of the week edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a leading locally owned cleaning company in Calgary. They offer their corporate clients flexible plans and use a dedicated app to keep in contact with their clientele 24 7. You can keep in contact with me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. Coming up today, we got uh, fantasy bad fantasy football teams that would have beat yours, and this one is particularly bad and particularly heartbreaking, considering how crappy the whole week was in the NFL. And then we're just going to run through the NFL. We're not going to do um, point spreads or anything like that this week, because everything is all up in the air on this, the only off day uh, between week 15 and week 16 in the National Football League. And then we get a brief respite on Friday uh, for Christmas Eve, and then we got games, so we got... We had a game Monday. Obviously, we had we had Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Are you ready for some football? Uh, all right, so we're going to run through the NFL and all of this. Uh, brief thought, though, on the Calgary Flames um, and the CSEC, as they, they are called, um, and... and Admittedly, I don't think I've ever called them that before. That, that When they said that today, I was like, oh, that makes more sense than CSEC, just saying that over and over and over again, because that gets... Um, the, the arena deal falls through between the Calgary Flames and the city of Calgary. And I am generally not someone who thinks that a city should be paying for a hockey rink. And I understand the other arguments that it brings in jobs, it brings in other things that helps bring in other people, you know, like it... To have an arena is better than to not have an arena. I, I will absolutely admit that. But I, I also don't think that a city should be on the hook for, say, $300 million worth of this arena when there's other things that could be going on in the city. And so I I can understand, kind of, from a Flames perspective, that things kept getting added. On the other hand, $19 million does, or whatever the, the difference was going to be doesn't seem like that big of a thing. And I don't know, like, the roads and sidewalks thing, maybe that's just a an omission that like should have been there from the beginning. Fine. That, that feels like something you could have negotiated saying, well, the city wants to be at uh zero net carbon by 2050, but they're asking us to be at by 2035. It just doesn't sound great when you see what's going on in the world right now. And so it's just, when you look at this city and I, I love the city of Calgary. I have been here with uh, a brief two year break uh, since 2007, we, we are getting very close to a point where my Saskatchewan roots are going to be overtaken by my Calgary roots in terms of how long I have been rooted in that one place, which is crazy to think about for me. But I, I love the city. I think it is uh, a beautiful city. I, I think that there are some of the nicest people in it. Obviously, there are exceptions to that, but there's exceptions to that everywhere. But you, you look at the natural beauty of the city and you look at a lot of the things you got going on. This is a piss poor sports town in terms of the places you have to go to enjoy a sporting event. It's like, would you like to go to a place that wouldn't even pass as a high school football field in Texas to go watch a professional football team play? Or would you like to go to a concrete jungle that feels like it's going to fall in on you at any moment to go watch a hockey team play? Like there's nothing, there's nothing to get excited about. And even like I, 
when we were in Vancouver, I consider BC Place a bit of an eyesore. Uh, just looking at it from the outside. Like, it just, with all the crown things on the top, it just looks unfinished. But then, you see it at night, and everything's lighting up. And you walk up to it, and it's a beautiful building. You don't get that literally anywhere in this city. Unless you have just such a deep emotional connection to the Saddle Dome or to, to McMahon Stadium. Which, granted, some people might. But from just a purely sporting element... It kind of sucks here to go to sporting events in Calgary because all the arenas suck. And it, it just, it's not, it's not great. There are some, like for, for minor hockey purposes, there are some arenas that are just mind-bogglingly awesome. And there are some places for rec sports that are just beyond what they should possibly be. But when you get to the tippy top of the actual fan experience and this being an actual sports town, and when you look at Calgary, you have the National Hockey League here. You have a professional football team here to the highest level with which you can in the, the country of Canada. You have um, a professional soccer team here, again, to among the highest levels with which you can in professional soccer in this country at this particular time. And they might have the best facility of all and half the road is dug up as you try to go to it. Like it's, it is well out of the way in this city, but it might be the bell of the ball and it holds like 15 people. But, this has, this is a city that has a lot of sporting potential, and I feel like a lot of that has been taken for granted over the last little while. And I think that there has been this thought from the Calgary Flames for a long time that it's, eh, people keep coming. What, are they going to kick us out? Whatever. We can get whatever we want. And I, I understand that they have had some very good moments in this city in terms of uh, contributing, like what the, the Flames Foundation does. There was a report that came out that maybe something else was going on with the Flames Foundation, but everything I've heard about the Flames Foundation has been great. And they listed off all the things that they donated to and all the, the things that they've helped with in the city of Calgary, which came across as the most condescending fucking thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Like, hey, um, just in the midst of us talking about the city asking for 19 million extra dollars, let's just remind you what we have done in this city. Look at this children's care center we have helped fund. Look at this whatever that one of our owner's names is on. And it, it just, oh, it seemed so petty. Oh, oh, I was... I was cringing when they were bringing that up. But that's something that sports teams will do. It's like, well, I mean, look at all the, the good we do in the community. And it's like, that, as weird as it is to say, that kind of should just be out of the goodness of your heart. That that shouldn't be brownie points. You know, like that, are you telling me that if you had to pay for your own thing, you would just, well, Flames Foundation is no good. We're not going to help any charities out now. Like, that would be the most shameful, most petty thing I've ever heard. So when different organizations bring up their different charitable works, it's like, we get it, and thank you very much. Please don't stop doing that. But also, you can pay for your own fucking hockey ring when you have a billionaire owner. Like, their teams are valued at billions of dollars now. If you can't afford your own hockey ring, sell the team. Make your billions of dollars and have someone else build the thing. Like, it's... I, I can't stand this from sports teams. The most egregious, obviously, was in St. Louis, where the, the city is still on the hook for some money for a football stadium that's now empty because the owner moved the Rams to Los Angeles. And that was kind of where it really woke up like, oh, shit. And I, I would like to think there would be some form of revenue sharing instead of just the hypothetical and the, the figurative of, hey, well, the, these people are coming in and that's boosting money for the economy. Sure, yes, but still, pay for your hockey rink. Like, the, you, you are getting the most out of this arena. It benefits you the most. You can 
build this thing. So it's just, it's incredibly frustrating. It's frustrating for the, the city of Calgary. It's frustrating for the people in it. I would imagine it's frustrating from a Calgary Flames perspective, even though I don't see their perspective. I at least can see if you had their perspective, how frustrating it would be. It's just, it's, it's an annoying day in a city that really could have used a bit of good news. And we haven't had a ton of it over the last little while. So that's just my two cents on the absolute fucking shit show that is going on with this arena deal in this city <sighs> today. Anyway, into the happier subject of the National Football League, the golden standard in absolutely fucking around with cities. Um... Yeah. San Francisco 49ers take the Tennessee Titans on on Thursday. I am taping this on Wednesday afternoon. So if someone has gone into the COVID protocol in between now and the time these games happen, I am sorry. Again, that's why I'm not going on the record with any gambling stuff this week. I'm just going to look at at these games. And this is an intriguing one to me. It sounds like AJ Brown could be coming back for the Tennessee Titans. And we saw last week with Atlanta, how you attack San Francisco is pushing the ball downfield on them. There is an amazing pass rush that's coming back at you. But if you are able to push that ball down the field, I think you can have some success. And AJ Brown feels like a guy who would be able to do that. So I, I think it's very interesting that you have this matchup because on the other side, Tennessee's defense has started to play a little bit better, but, I mean, last week that's against Pittsburgh. What, what does that really tell you? San Francisco's offense feels like it's hit a bit of a groove. They are utilizing Debo Samuel as a running back, but it felt like last week was a main Jeff Wilson, or, uh, yeah, Jeff Wilson game at running back. The Debo in-between-the-tackle stuff makes me cringe a little bit because that's the shit that gets running backs hurt. Like, that's why no one wants a running back in their 30s. It's not just because people who put RB beside their name just inherently break down. It's because running into a clog of 10 guys who are 300 pounds to get through that to a trio of guys who are 250 pounds is not really a way to provide longevity for one's career. And that is, I think, one of the reasons why Debo Samuel starts to wear down. We see some injury issues with him. I don't mind him as a gadget back. I don't mind him as someone catching passes out of the backfield and the occasional, oh shit, he's running up the middle moment. But I will cringe on every one of those. I think San Francisco has really started to hit their groove with their offense this season, with this quarterback this season. And I think San Francisco comes away with a massive win in this game as they currently hold, uh, I believe, the last playoff spot. Oh no, they have the second wildcard spot in the NFC. One game up on the Vikings who hold that last playoff spot. Also one game clear of the Eagles and Saints who are tied with the Vikings for that last spot. In the AFC, the Tennessee Titans currently lead the AFC South, but that lead is now down to just one game. A loss here and a bunch of other teams win, and they are all of a sudden in a very difficult spot in the AFC. So a big game for both teams there coming up on Thursday. We move to Saturday. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Green Bay Packers. Cleveland obviously riddled with a COVID issue right now. A number of their players in the protocol and they had a scrappy night against the Vegas Raiders and fell short. That game had no right being that close. And I think we will see what that game is actually supposed to look like on Saturday, as this feels like a game where the Packers go in and just annihilate these dudes. That that feels like a very difficult ask for Cleveland, 
even at full strength, it just, Green Bay is just better. When we look at the standing situation for both clubs, the Cleveland Browns uh, currently sitting on the outside looking into the playoff picture, but again, just one game out of a playoff spot right now. And for their purposes, maybe more importantly, just one game out of top spot in the division in the AFC North, whereas the Green Bay Packers are the number one seed in the NFC just in general. So they want to kind of keep a hold of that spot um, as we go into the Christmas Day games. The second one is Arizona at home taking on the Indianapolis Colts. And that loss by Arizona was very eye-opening as to the importance of DeAndre Hopkins to this offense and to this team with the whole complimentary football thing. This defense has started to be exposed a little bit. Like you, you look at what the Cardinals have been able to do this season and some of their efficiency numbers makes the the defense look really, really good out in Arizona. But when you look at who they have been playing and some of the, the stats that they've been giving up over the last little bit, and of course my thing is moving very, very slowly as I'm trying to pull this up, but just trust me, like they gave up 30 points to Detroit last week. And honestly, it, it didn't even feel like that game was as close as it was. The Cardinals' defense is starting to struggle, and I think the Colts are figuring out their offense as we see more and more from Jonathan Taylor. This feels like a win for the Colts. Like this is this is one of those measuring stick games. I think for both teams, is Arizona still at the the top of this league? And are the Indianapolis Colts as real as we think they are? Because that's that was a good win against New England. This would be a better one against Arizona on Christmas Day. We go to the Boxing Day games, the Detroit Lions in Atlanta. This game means nothing for nobody as far as I'm concerned. Atlanta still technically only a game out of a playoff spot, which is uh, very much an indictment on this current playoff system in the National Football League. They are four-point favorites against the Lions. I would love for the Lions to keep this winning, these winning ways going. Keep that role going, Dan Campbell and Detroit Lions. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on the New York football giants. The Eagles are tied for the last playoff spot in the NFC. They find themselves three games back in the division. That's probably not going anywhere. The Giants... If it's not Daniel Jones, and it seems like it's not, I'm going Jake Fromm here. I would love, I, I just, I want to see what that kid has. But this is just playing out the string before massive changes with the New York Giants. I think the Eagles win this one big. Jets taking on Jacksonville. If you watch this game, you hate yourself. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 10.5 point favorites on the road in Carolina. Sounds like we might be getting Sam Darnold back. That would be interesting as Cam Newton. It's just over. Like, it, it, it pains to say it is just over. That point spread seems a little bit, wide considering Carolina's defense isn't terrible and Tampa Bay is definitely without Fournette and Godwin and might be without Mike Evans and we saw how gross that looked last week so something to monitor as we get closer to Sunday something else to monitor as we get close to Sunday the Chargers taking on the Houston Texans Austin Eckler placed in COVID protocol not good to have that come up on Wednesday it is easier to get out of the protocol now but still not great not great for the, the LA Chargers, I do think they definitely come away with a win as they have some stakes in this game as well. The Chargers uh, currently find themselves in a wild card spot. They are one of four teams, five teams, sorry, in the AFC at eight and six. One of those teams is a division leader in the Bengals. The other one is tied with them, the Ravens. You also have the Colts and the Bills in there. So the Chargers are all clumped up. In this playoff mix, this is a game that they need to just go out there and take care of business. The game of the early window, the Buffalo Bills taking on the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots at 9-5, and five, the Bills at 8-6. and six. This is for the division. This is where, I don't care what the weather is like. 
I don't care what voodoo is in the air, the Buffalo Bills need to win this game. If the Bills don't win this game, this is a reassess where you are as a franchise game. Like, I, I, I truly believe this is not hyperbolic for a regular season game. For a team that has the expectations and had the season last year that they have and has the contract for the quarterback that they have now, this feels like a fork in the road moment for this coach, for this quarterback, and for this team. And kind of, not fork in the road, New England's not going to change anything coming out of this. Um, but th this feels like a big moment for the New England Patriots as well. Th this is this is a game that is so incredibly intriguing. You have the Rams taking on the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Rams style on them. I, again, I am not a Vikings believer in any way. The only reason I'm not huge on the Rams this week is because they just played on Tuesday. So you get a little bit concerned about what's going on. But the Vikings, I think the Vikings are done. Even if they're a playoff team, I think the Vikings, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm over it with the Vikings. First in the AFC North on the line, Bengals taking on the Ravens at Cincinnati, the home side, favored by two and a half. We'll see what Lamar Jackson is able to do. But as the playoffs sit right now, Ravens are out. They're tied with the Bengals, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Bills. But as the playoffs sit right now, they're the one on the outside looking in. It is go time for the Baltimore Ravens now. They need this win against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals, coming off of a week where they didn't look overly impressive, but they came away with a win. I said that was a very big win for the growth and development of this franchise. We will see if they are able to do that coming up on Sunday. Moving into the late slate, just three games in the two o'clock window, which is stupid. Uh, the Bears taking on the Seattle Seahawks. That game's, uh, once again, is a means nothing to nobody game. Sneaky big game out in Vegas as the Raiders are taking on the Denver Broncos. You have two teams that are at seven and seven. So one game out of the log jam in the AFC. We know one of those teams is dropping to eight and seven with the Bengals taking on the Ravens. We now know the division is pretty well out of reach for these teams. And you have a Raiders offense that has looked putrid for two months now, with the exception of American Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys, taking on a Denver Broncos team that hasn't beat basically anyone of significance all season long, and now has a quarterback who you don't have a fucking clue what that guy is going to do on a play-in, play-out basis. This is one, uh, just hold on to your money. I, you've heard it said often that the biggest advantage you have as a sports better is you get to pick and choose which games that you get to play on. This might be one that you pick and choose to stay away from. And the Steelers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. This feels like one where everyone comes back to reality about what this Pittsburgh Steelers team is. I think Kansas City wins this game by about 100. And the Dallas Cowboys, Sunday Night Football, taking on the football team of Washington. It's just, it's over for Washington. This feels like it needs to kind of be a get-right game for the Cowboys. Not that Washington is a get-right team, because they have made games real ugly in the last little bit. But Dallas, Dallas needs a couple of impressive showings here in the next little bit to kind of get everyone back on their bandwagon, because it has not looked great over the last little bit. They do have the two-seed in the NFC right now. If the playoffs were to start today, they would get the Vikings or the Eagles or the Saints in the first round. So that would be a pretty good matchup for them to have if they're able to hold on to that two seed. Um, I think you're going to need a few more wins to get that. You can't just stumble your way into that. But th this is one where if Dallas is as good as we think they are, this should be a big win for them. And then Monday night, it is the Dolphins taking on the New Orleans Saints. Saints favored by three in this matchup. New Orleans, as mentioned before, they are tied for the last playoff spot in the NFC with the Eagles and the Vikings, where you have a Dolphins team now that's won uh, five or six in a row. Six in a row. They started the season one and seven. 
and are now 7-7 seven and seven and are a game out of a playoff spot. We picked Miami to be a playoff team at the beginning of the season. This is an interesting game. We just saw how good that New Orleans defense can be when they took on Tampa Bay on Sunday night. And we just saw Tua throw a real bad interception against the Jets. I can't get that throw out of my mind. Tua needs to erase that for me. I, I think this is actually, when we l- looked at quarterbacks yesterday and Tua was kind of a question mark, a win here would go a long way to erasing that question mark. And a, a loss here probably erases that one too, but for not the reason that he is hoping for. So there is a bit of a rundown of the NFL schedule for you. Before we go, fantasy football teams got absolutely shit-kicked this week. It was a disaster. If you were able to survive this week, I commend you. I, I will probably think you're a liar because it just, uh, Andy Barons from, I think Yahoo tweeted out this week that I, I will refuse to believe that anyone won in week 15. It was so bad, but if you were able to survive it, good for you. And maybe don't feel so bad because everyone was going through it. And there was a lot of high caliber players who really struggled on Sunday and, and Thursday and Saturday and Monday and Tuesday, as we discussed. Um, but there are also a lot of players that we'd never heard of before come up with strong outings. So once again, to feel a little bit better about your fantasy team, here is the bad fantasy football team that would have beat yours this week. At quarterback, Tyler Huntley of the Baltimore Ravens. 5% owned. Uh, the cutoff for this week was 20% owned. Uh, Huntley, 5% owned, 35.9 points. He was the top scoring quarterback in NFL fantasy this week. At running back, at 2% owned for the Miami Dolphins, Duke Johnson is still in the league. He comes up with 24.7 fantasy points. Our running back two, Craig Reynolds of Detroit, 13% owned. I had just heard of him a couple of weeks ago. He comes up with 11.7. At wide receiver, Gabriel Davis of the Buffalo Bills at 19% owned. He puts up 20 and a half points. Also at receiver, Josh Reynolds. Took me way too long in that game to realize they weren't the same person. Uh, He was 10% owned for uh, coming out of Detroit. 12.8 fantasy points. At tight end, there was only five guys who did anything. So this score, not overly impressive, but... Jesper Harstead at 0% owned, which seems high. Um, His fantasy point total was at 7.9. In our flex position, we have Amir Abdullah out of Detroit. Again, big week for the Lions. 8% owned. He put up 11.5 fantasy points. Kicker in defense on uh, defense and special teams. The New York Jets, 2% owned. One of the worst defenses in the NFL. Put up 12 fantasy points. And Kaimi Fairbairn of the Houston Texans, 1% owned. Put up 16 fantasy points. This team, owned by less than 20% of fantasy football players in the world, put up 153 fantasy points. That is going to win almost every matchup in fantasy football in standard scoring. So if you lost, don't feel bad because you could luck into an awful team and still win. That is going to do it for the show today. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in today. This has been Couch Potato Diary coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is running a competition. They have decided to sponsor one lucky winner with one month of free singing lessons with Sing It. All you have to do is email a video of why you should win and a snippet of you singing your favorite song to Adele at clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. That's A-D-E-L-E at clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Send it to Adele before the 31st of January, 2022. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. I'm going to be making a stop here to the studio in a couple of days. Very excited. And it has been so easy, the, the process of 
um, getting ready for them to, to come in. We, we've had to do literally nothing. So very excited about them stopping by this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Also, our YouTube page, uh, just search Couch Potato Diary. I am PrimetimeKline on YouTube. Going to have a lot more YouTube content coming up in the new year. The music provided by Wasted Talent also delayed by a day, uh, but we had no idea. I guess it's a week and a day. Uh, we had no idea. I had a blast. We did the Pablo Escobar episode this week. So much fun. Check that one out wherever you listen to this podcast and check us out on Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. That is it for me. Whatever you celebrate, uh, hope it's happy or merry or whatever, and I will talk to y'all next week. I'm out. <laughs>